KRCL, Salt Lake City. Homegrown's alright with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Aldine here, KS. KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer. This is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Thanks for plugging into your community today. And Laura Jones is with me, as always, here in the studio. Hey, hey. I know you're excited for everything we have on the show, but in particular the music. So stay tuned because uh, Bridge the Gap is dropping its first single today, but I understand the full album uh, it's like 13 skate punk anthems, so we're going to get into that. But what's on the show tonight? On the show tonight, we have uh, a little recap from the Hill. What's been going on? Just started the session. Uh, the gals from, well, Simbri will be here from Red Acre Center. <laughs> Sarah uh, said she might say something. The whole crew is here out in, the, <laughs> out in the lobby, but yes. You went up there on the Hill, was it Wednesday with them? We did uh, Ag Day, small Ag Day on the Hill, and uh, they it was uh, you serve? Uh, biscuits and gravy mm-hmm. and some really nice bacon and sausage bacon, from bacon, local bacon. folks, you know, the feeding the legislatures the local food and getting them tuned into where the real food comes from and what bills matter. All right. We also have a seed swap to talk about. Yes, at the public library, they're having a seed swap on February 3rd, and Jerry Gravelin mm-hmm. is here to represent. All right. We got Skywatcher Leo T. He's got a really great Many Cultures One Sky report tonight. We've got a film review from Sundance with Gavin Dahl, KRCL's own. Gavin Dahl, but let's get started with some music. What do you say? We have Cat Pusey, too. Oh, I forgot. I was so excited <laughs> to get forget? to Bridge the Gap. <laughs> Cat Pusey, downtown St. George Farmer's Market. Wow. Uh, what a dynamo. She's just amazing. Her? A bad mother mofa co. Stick around. You'll find out why. <laughs> oh, goodness. You'll find out why. So the guys from Bridge the Gap are here in the studio, some of them. How you doing? So good. Thanks. Very good. good. Chad and Ryan. Chad, you play guitar, and uh, Ryan is a drummer. Yeah, it's guitar and vocals. Guitar and vocals. Very cool. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about the band, because you have our famous chef, Sean, mm-hmm. on the bass with you guys, and you recruited him, and he's a busy guy. How'd you get him to come over? He's like the busiest human I know, <laughs> on the, honestly. Uh, but our story, the Cliff Notes version, is we're... We did this back in the 90s and early 2000s, and then, you know, turned around, put out albums, and then hung up our cleats, so to speak, <laughs> started families, careers, and then we circled back and decided to jump back in with, with both feet last year, and we recruited the chef. The chef was, was down, and so he plays bass. Very good. And the first song is My Creation. Want to give me a little hint what that's about? It's kind of a interpersonal type of song, just about... Uh, different ways we put ourselves in bondage uh and how we how we climb out of that so to speak and how it makes us feel well this one is my creation fresh and homegrown right here on krcl 90.9 fm bridge the gap
It's many cultures, one sky. As we look up on the green comet, it is relatively close. Well, a ways out there compared to what's coming up, but not necessarily going to be easily spotted in binoculars. It is currently making its way through the northern skies and should reach its brightest magnitude in early February as it approaches perigree or closest approach on February 1st. But the best chance really to possibly get a glimpse of it with binoculars will probably be February 10th when the comet will have moved significantly to the east and will appear close to Mars for a splash of green with your red planet. Mars will be in twinkly, colorful Taurus the Bull, shining very high toward the south in early mid-evening. The elusive comet that visited Earth 50,000 years ago when things were very prehistoric. Talk about a time warp. Speaking of close, an asteroid will pass quite close by Earth, or it is passing by the Earth right now. Thursday the 26th, the newly discovered asteroid will pass between Earth and the satellites in geostationary orbit. This is really close. Asteroid 2023BU measures between 12 and 28 feet, about the size of a delivery truck. It was discovered on Saturday, January 21st at the Margo Observatory in Crimea by an amateur. When it passes by the Earth, its closest approach on Thursday, the space rock will be at an amazing altitude of just 2,200 miles above the tip of South America at 527 Mountain Time, or it just happened, according to NASA. For comparison, most geostationary satellites orbit an altitude of 22,000 miles. Whew, it's a good thing this is not larger. This is a razor-thin margin. JPL and Pasadena's ruling out a strike, but wipe your brow on this one. Also, thanks to The Guardian for help with this report. It's many cultures, one sky. As we delve into the people who inhabit our wonderful planet, we span the globe, exploring the sky. It's all of our heritage. Okay. Speaking with my archaeo astronomer friends hanging out in Capitol Reef, and they've been doing a voyage of archaeo astronomy. What's been going on, Chloe? Yeah, for our winter solstice trip last month, we went on a grand adventure and road trip out to the Midwest and southern United States. Uh, we were visiting mounds all over. Uh, we, we ended up going to 17 mounds, and we also traveled to the 17 states. So 17 was our big number this, this trip. Yeah, so um, this is Dawood here. Uh, what is a mound site is we are going to tr try and do a short uh, explanation of a mound site, which is an, an ancient uh, Native American creation that were t took place. There was thousands of mounds all throughout the Midwest, and the Mississippi and River Valley areas, and the uh, mounds are made of earthen material. However, there is a great variety of sizes, shapes, functionalities, purposes, and a lot of mystery surrounding these mound sites. So there's kind of a lot to try to describe. I'm going to try to focus on one site in particular that we were at on the winter solstice. The site that we were at for the solstice was a Serpent Mound in Ohio. And the Serpent Mound site is a giant snake effigy. It's the largest snake effigy in the world. It's made out of earth. It's this beautiful artistic creation that is up on top of a, a high ridge that's overlooking an ancient meteor, meteor crater impact site. So it has a beautiful views surrounding it and a river coming right by it is oriented towards the summer solstice sunset which is a very beautiful and interesting thing we haven't been there on the summer solstice yet but we are going to try and do that in the future but we were there on the winter solstice which it ends up working out that the tail of the snake aligns pretty well with the winter solstice sunset we have a lot more to relate from chloe and daoud's archaeo expedition to the mound so keep looking up look around your planet and get lost in space Skywatcher Leo T on Radioactive with Laura Jones and Aldine, the punk rock farmer on 90.9, the powerhouse, KRCL. Ah, thank you, Leo T. Check tonight's show notes and you can catch up with Leo and all his sources. And if you got a question you'd like him to explore, 
I think you should do that. You got a question for Leo about the night sky? I know you love to go out and camping and look up there. Always. Okay, we'll come up with some good ones. Maybe we can set up a spring star party. All right, Sundance coverage. We've been uh, going to Sundance Films, the radioactive team, including Rashawn Leak and Autumn Thatcher, our red carpet correspondent on Monday. We'll have a lot to share with us. But right now, Gavin Dahl, KRCL's executive director, who's just joined recently, he uh, went and saw the Jason Momoa film, and here's his review. Sundance attendees at the fantastic Grand Theater at Salt Lake Community College gave a warm welcome to Deep Rising director Matthew Reitz, based in Montreal, and Dr. Sandor Mulsau from the University of Southern Chile on Saturday. The professor and former director of environmental management at the International Seabed Authority asked the audience of about 200 people who had read the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. Only two people raised their hands. Rejected by the Reagan administration four decades ago, even though it was agreed to by 98% of the rest of the world, it is not well known today. The film's completion comes as the obscure International Seabed Authority is on the brink of allowing private companies to shift operations along the ocean floor from exploration to exploitation. Technology is ready to roll that will allow the harvest of strategic metals. A central character in Deep Rising is the often convincing entrepreneur Gerard Barron, who jets around the world raising money and trying to persuade regulators to let his company collect deep-sea nodules rich with promise. He touts potential game-changing impact, enough supply to make the manufacturing of electric car batteries less destructive permanently. On stage in Salt Lake City, the far less glamorous marine biologist Mulsow explained the challenge of countering the seductive sales pitch in favor of protecting the ocean's integrity. We communicate in technical reports, he bemoaned. We need more artists, more musicians, more poets to communicate something this complex. We need cultural translation. I asked Reitz, the director, during the Q&A about the process of writing the narration for the film. Near the end of the five-year production timeline, Reitz worked together with co-writer Dr. Helen Scales, who he calls a brilliant scientist, pointing to her book The Brilliant Abyss as key source material because it's, quote, easy to read. Reitz told me bringing aboard the movie star Jason Momoa, who portrays Aquaman in the DC Universe as the narrator of Deep Rising, was like icing on the cake. He said, we needed a voice. He understood that. I told him, we need your superpower. Reitz continued, it's personal for Jason. He's linked to the ocean through his father and his grandfather. He calls Deep Rising the most important project he's been part of. The director brought Deep Rising to Sundance for its premiere and hopes to find a distributor. He told the Sundance audiences that he wants to do an IMAX version next. Deep Rising contains plenty of big screen worthy footage for a traditional theatrical run at least. Given his star power and Jason Momoa's raspy whisper narration about the unstoppable march toward self-destruction goes down a little bit easier. Still, the complexity of the material might make it a tough sell for mainstream box office. Abstract montages of elaborate organisms living in the deep sea are interspersed with history lessons, detailed scientific explanations, footage of opposition to extraction of rare earth metals on land, promotional B-roll of clean energy marketing campaigns, and even exclusive shots of deep sea mining fundraising pitches with blurred faces for certain high net worth individuals. Among the first reviews published over the weekend, Variety called Deep Rising vague and The Hollywood Reporter called it murky. The director is a visual anthropologist by training and it's possible the film's reach could be narrower due to his intentionally indeterminate ideological positioning. This isn't an Al Gore polemic or a Michael Moore box office sensation. During an on-camera interview in Park City on Friday, Ritz said, as a filmmaker, I'm here to provoke reflection, you know, asking questions. So I'm not really here to come up with a very straightforward conclusion at the end. What I want to do is trigger debate. He's doing that, but maybe not in the way he intended. Moviegoers wondered aloud what the filmmakers see as an alternative to the electric car and battery power storage gamble the deep-sea mining advocates are wagering on. During the Q&A, we were told green hydrogen would be a preferred solution, but that's not part of this movie. Matthew Reitz and Dr. Molsau want motivated viewers not only to read the 150-page UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, but also to send letters to President Joe Biden asking him to sign the U.S. onto the convention. But that campaign concept isn't part of the movie either. 
Deep Rising is the result of a great deal of work, and the subject is extremely important. However, it might require one of Aquaman's superpowers to communicate telepathically with the creatures of the sea for the film to find a wide audience. For KRCL, I'm Gavin Dahl. Thanks, you, Gavin. And check out uh, krcl.org. There's a Sundance tab with all our coverage. And again, our recap show, Aldine, coming up on Monday night's edition of Radioactive. And before we get into the rest of our guests for rallies and resources, I just want to say a shout out to the folks behind the first annual Utah Flower Conference happening tomorrow at Historic Wheeler Farm in Murray. I understand it's sold out. So congratulations on Good your stuff. first first conference. But uh, now there's another event coming up in the community we want to share with folks. Yes, there's another seed swap on the radar. And Jerry Gravelin is here from the Salt Lake Public Library. Jerry, I've you and I are friends for been, yes. it's been a minute. It's <laughs> been a long time. I haven't seen you. Um, you were tied in with the IRC. And... Uh, you're still grassroots and you got your feet in the ag community here. Oh, absolutely. Um, I am working for the city library. I am on their marketing department, but I still do a lot of work with our plot garden and the seed library. Um, the seed librarian's name is Ricky. Um, they couldn't be here, so I'm stepping in. Very good. And so you said seed library, and I'm not sure if a lot of folks know that. Let's 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 get the word you out. Have to you guys. To seeds? You don't have to, but um, it is encouraged. We do seed-saving <laughs> workshops where you can learn um, and return those seeds to us if you'd like. Um, but we have seed libraries at seven of our eight locations. The Sweet Branch um, Seed Library is coming soon. But we have a bank of seeds that you can come and check out and take home for free as long as you're, you know, going to grow them. So. Very good stuff. Uh, um, you know, uh, the library, what a great place. That's a good place to, to go and grab some seeds. There's a seed swap coming up, and this is my exciting part of the year it's the beginning of the year i get so excited when i planted some seeds today and i had that feeling inside i planted a bunch of greens and a bunch of um uh different lettuces and some cabbage and some things and no in a little box and that'll Uh, go under a light in the house and then i'm i have a greenhouse this year so i'll be putting in those in the greenhouse but it's that time of year and tell us when the date is and where what you guys are doing um so we are hosting a seed swap event at the main library in the urban room it is going to be march 3rd from 4 to 6 p.m um you can bring seeds from your garden or your personal collection to share with your neighbors uh, or pick up free seeds provided by the library just in time for spring planting it's good good stuff so we don't want folks to bring packaged seed or anything like that. We want to bolster the local, yes. our regional seed bank here, right absolutely. here in Salt Lake, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you can just bring them kind of in a little envelope. Make sure you mark um, the variety and the year and things like that so people know. Um, but just bring them from your own personal collection. Good stuff. Yes. And so the seed library exists year-round. Yes, it's open during library hours all the time. The mm-hmm. seed exchange, the seed yes. swap, mm-hmm. is March 3rd. Yes. 4 to 6 p.m. Main library where in the main library? It's in the it's urban huge. room. Set in up the right the, there. Right when you walk in. That's just the lobby. Yes, the just the lobby. lobby. Yes. And it's been going on a couple of years, so I'm guessing there'll be quite a few, and Al's going to bring oh, yeah. his cash. Yes. And okay. we've got Wasatch Community Gardens, Bug Farms, the Utah Food Coalition. It's going to be great. Good stuff. Mm. Those are our homies. Those are, yes. we were, <laughs> we were had a dinner with the bug farmers yeah. last night up on the hill. So what's the website where folks can learn more? And we'll be sure to put it in the show notes. Yes, slcpl.org slash the plot. Or you can follow us on Instagram at slcpl. Excellent. Jerry, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. Happy planting. It's good to see you again. You too. Let's talk about another hill, Capitol Hill. Aldine, Simbria Patterson. Simbria's here, Red Acre Center, uh, doing the good work for the, you know, educating folks on how to be citizen lobbyists. And and you guys are in a little, you have your hand in the pie up there at the legend, up on the hill in a lot of different little ways. And uh, eight years now? I think so, Al. I think it's <laughs> eight years now. Eight years this and is our ninth year. 29 plus bills later that have been passed? <laughs> no, I think it's like 19, 19 it, bills. Are 19. you sure? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll count and report back next week. It's so, good when you lose count. So lots though. of great work being done on the Hill. And then the, this year there's one that we're focusing on that we're putting out there. And it's a, it's a raw milk bill that has to do with um, amending it what's already there right right and i told you it was drafted but sitting here a text just came in 
So it's HB 320. There you go. So we have the number for it. And that's, uh, you know, that's part of the process. First, it needs to be drafted, which which it wasn't on a wing and a prayer. And they did it like overnight. Yeah, it seemed to not happen. And then it happened really fast because we started this in fall. But. You know, we never know if it's shenanigans or what's I going mean, on. you said it was like you were, didn't want to be the squeaky wheel, and you didn't want to say anything, and you were just waiting. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't there, and and now it is. Yeah, I called a couple of people, and <laughs> all of a sudden, it moved. So, so. In, so in eight years, there's some connections there now, right? For sure, yeah. Definitely. I call them friends. Okay, so. <laughs> good, good, good. And, and then... Um, you want to tell just what it's about, what what it's going to allow? It's really simple. So when uh, Kim Coleman passed butter and cream for uh, Utah Natural Milk and Meat, our friends out there, now they're pouring buttermilk out. But there's also kefir yogurt ice cream, right? So this bill just says that if you're a legal licensed raw milk dairy, you can make legal licensed raw milk products. So they were saying okay these things are good but this isn't and it's made from the same thing and so this is this is good i mean um you know we're heading in the right direction on that one it, we had a small ag day on the hill just the last wednesday and there was some feeding of the legislatures going on legislators going on and um, it was early in the morning. and Early in the morning. It really was. And, yeah. and Chef Sean, who's in the band who's playing tonight, was there. And he was kind of the, the head guy running the food. And that was really cool to see. Yeah. What are his restaurants again? Where are they? Sago in Canab. Uh, and then he has Wood Ashray in St. George and El Poso Rosso in Moab. Wow. So, I'm yeah. hungry. That sounds good. Yeah, he's a very talented guy. <laughs> and he's on our board. So right. that's how we got him to do the Capitol breakfast. So the idea behind Small Egg Day on the Hill? Is to educate and to inspire and to create awareness. They can, it, It's very different. If you go up there and see events in the rotunda, this isn't the slick banners. It's not the packaging that most displays have down there. The food's totally different and better. They all say that. They all say it's the best food they have during the session so and it you know it's something different and they're they're and now it's on their radar more than ever right we can't get eggs this month so now yeah. it's like do you have eggs well yeah we're not in the store so <laughs> so and then after the after the breakfast you there's a meeting and you bring in some of your friends <laughs> and they t- and they and there's some of our community there, our small ag community, like some key players and some some uh, vegetable farmers and some meat producers were there. The ones and, growing closest to and, here. And uh, you got uh, the director of ag, Craig Butters, to yeah, come in. and Commissioner, Commissioner of ag. Of ag yeah. Craig Butters to come in and talk to us. And we had some questions for him, and it was a nice little back-and-forth session. He seems like an all right guy. He's all right. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's a little uncomfortable, honestly. But you know, yeah. that's not his tribe, right? But I think he seeing that room full of people, seeing that we're up there, you know, he it just makes them aware that these small producers yeah. are. I, I think they're going to be the answer, but yeah, well, especially Jam Fortier that we talked to earlier in the month. That was your keynote at the Utah Farm and Food Conference. What he's able to produce on a small amount of acreage, if that can be replicated. More broadly, across the Wasatch Front, that's more food security. Yeah. And, and the then, only way we can, we were just talking about small, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Feed yourself and your neighbor first, and then the world will be fed. How's it going with that Representative Steve Handy, who is such an ally? Oh, well, he's gone. So we've yeah. lost both of, they've appointed a new person, mm-hmm. and um, we'll see how it goes. The new person that replaced Handy was the former lobbyist for the Dairy Association, and he's now a representative. So, so you got to build some bridges there. Huh? Well, we're we're friends. Well, I, you know that's where it starts. And he's related to Heber Valley Dairy. Mm. That's his brother, I think, or his oh, cousin. Wow. So yeah. So he he's got a foot in both places. We're, we'll hope for good things. Okay. So I know there's uh, you guys have are doing a lot of things, and you're it's all to bolster the small farm community and and the artisans. And you here's this is the new idea, the new thing coming up is is a call to artisans and uh, it's artists and painters and they're going to be doing farm scenes at different farms 
And uh, there will be a gallery show at the end of the year. Tell me about a little more about it. So it'll go through the seasons. We'll start in April, but you only have till January 31st. And all you have to do is go to our website, readycrecenter.org, right across the top. It's a call for artists, any medium. You can apply now, and then we'll start. It'll be a different farm, ranch, agricultural piece every month, and then it, they will. They don't have to donate their artwork. It'll be just like getting in a gallery. They get 50%, and the center will get 50%. It's our fundraiser. It'll end at Snuck Farm in 2024 with juried art that's been done over the course of a year. So it's, it's a beautiful idea. I yeah. hope we make money, too, but I just love the idea of what it's going to represent for Utah and small ag. So call the artists, the taste of art. The deadline is January 31st, redacrecenter.org. We'll put it in the show notes. Thanks. But that sounds fantastic. All right, Cimbria, we'll see you again next Friday because yep. you're, you're keeping your eye on the hill. I, I will be there. All right. So, thanks for having us on. 320, Absolutely. HB 320. Yes, it got numbered while we were sitting here. Very well, good. Ding. Okay, we'll so. put that in the show notes. <laughs> Ryan and Chad are back from our feature band tonight, Bridge the Gap. Cimbria is going to swap out there as we get another song introed from the upcoming album, Secret Combinations. When's the whole album going to drop, guys? March 24th on People of Punk Rock. All right, but Records. we're getting two more songs off of it tonight. Yes, no one else Ooh. has ever heard this. Ooh, okay, set up this one for us. It's White Coat Battalion. This song is just, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a little bit of a protest song about uh, individual personal sovereignty during the during the pandemic and okay. just kind of how it made me feel a little how it made us feel honestly some of the some of the stuff it's not it's not too political it's more just about the individual yeah also an interesting point is that it's one of our older written songs okay. True. together yeah it's a 20 year old song that no one ever heard before that we brought back to life new newer lyrics the music is that old yeah. All right, do the honors, Al. Good stuff. This is White Coat, White Coat Battalion. Bridge the gap right here, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
like that. That's good. White Coat Battalion, Bridge the Gap, new album, Secret Combinations, coming out in March, but uh, dropped one single today, right? Yes. And then this is a, another song that no one's heard yet. It'll be the, the second single. Yeah? Yeah. And we've got one more before the end of the show. Stick around, folks. They're going to tell you uh, how to get the album, how to see them play live. But in the meantime, it's time for your Urban Farm Report. Al, we had a chance to interview the St. George Farmer's Market organizer. Cat Pusey. And boy, oh boy, she's got some great things to say. It gives you a warm feeling inside. She's very resilient, and she's out there just beating feet. Here we go. It's time for the Urban Farm Report, Al. Yes, and we have Cat Pusey with us from the St. George Farmer's Market. How are you doing today, dear? Good, just, you know, running around, getting stuff done, getting ready to open next week, so. Very good. You know, I really enjoyed your presentation at the farm conference. Um, you really have met uh, so much opposition, and you are just so resilient and still on it, not defeated, and you're you're just killing it. I loved it. Well, it, it, de- it depends on the day. There are some days where I'm like, oh, man, this brutal but yeah we're still here and we're still we're we're still going so let's do a little backup for the folks listening the saint george farmers market i just think there's obviously a farmers market down there right for sure you know the the saint george market fizzled like mm, before covid sometime right and that's kind of when you took over will you tell that story yeah so it was uh it was up in ancestor square and it was kind of fizzling out there was only like uh 15 to 20 vendors on a really good week and um that's where I came in and I took over and I was I just talked to the um the owners and they were like yeah we are just struggling it just needs somebody that really is invested in it and so I took that summer and and started writing these articles called meet the farmer and I would go out to all of our farmers and I just would hang out with them and write stories about them and I just completely fell in love with them but it was just this really cool piece of releasing them every couple of weeks and the community just going crazy because they were doing so many cool things and the community just really responded to it and then um, we had free cooking classes because I was just like we just need community engagement we need people to care we need people to come we need people to you know just really develop a connection to these farmers like I was. And so we had the free cooking classes and the meet the farmer article. And then the next year we introduced a free kids program and it just blew up. It just became this place where community members could come and interact with one each one another and the farmers and artisans. And they were just developing these beautiful friendships and connections. And it just grew exponentially and, and it became this great little hidden gem. And so that's kind of what brought it back. That's so amazing, you know. And then, and then COVID hit. Dun and, dun dun. <laughs> and then um, you were the only farmers market, I believe, in the state that was forced to close. Uh, I I thought for a really long time we were the only one, but I feel like somebody told me that maybe Park City was forced to close as well. Um, but I know that we were one of the only ones that was that was closed even you know it and i understood for a little while because it was so scary you know the beginning of COVID. i understood i was really scared but then um as more and more information came out and then you know i don't know how it was up in salt lake but down here you would walk into a grocery store and shelves were empty like there there was nothing down here like we didn't have meat we didn't have cheese we couldn't get diapers. We couldn't get anything. Um, and so I just knew that there was a lot of food down here. I had farmers that were like, had harvested, you know, like 500 chickens. And they were like, we are sitting on all this meat. We have all of this meat and we can't sell it. And so that's when I sat down and just tried to figure out how to sell online. And we settled on Shopify and we opened the online market and, uh, that was met with resistance too. Like, and it and, and it's a technicality because farmers markets, because they are a business, they're outside. But because they're outside, they're classified as a special event. So, one of my goals in the future, when I have a little bit more time, is to renegotiate what that looks like from a legal standpoint. Because even the even the city employees were saying they're like, we get it. 
but your business license is a special event and we are not issuing special event permits or licenses in a time of a pandemic. So it was this rock in a hard place where people saw why we needed to do it, but we couldn't get the licensing. And because of all the work that we had done in the community the year before, the community started a petition and they were like, let them open. And, and that's when city council got involved. And um, that was our old city council. And they were like, this is a great idea. And if you can pull it off exactly how you say, yes, we will issue the permit. So we got this loophole and we did a virtual market where, and, and I didn't say this in the, in the presentation at the farm conference, but I mean, it was like, we would make the farmers walk up to the table and then they would have to step behind a 10 foot marketed line while we counted in the orders that they brought. Like we would not let, we had to hand sanitize between every order. We separated them out. And then we had people running pickups from my house for two or three hours. You were not allowed to get out of the car. You would pull up. We didn't even want you to unroll your window. Like you were supposed to just fold up your order receipt so we could see the number. And then we would put them in your trunk. And then I would load up coolers and, and I would just drive around town and drop them off for about seven hours every Saturday. And then, um, you know, like then we were finally allowed to open. And what was crazy is I kept sending over all, all this information that we were getting from UDAP, like the Utah Department of Agriculture and Food. And the restrictions on the farmer's market were insane. Like you had to have six foot markers in front of the table. Like no one was allowed to touch it. You couldn't have two people processing the payments and touching the food. Like, and I was like, look at these restrictions that we have to abide by. This is safer than Walmart. I was like, there is nobody doing this in grocery stores, you know, like, and, and so we had to open with limited, with limited, uh, with limited vendors. Cause you could only allow in food. They had to be 10 space, 10 feet apart. They had to be a one way walkway. There had to be masks. You had to sanitize between everywhere. And when we opened, we still kept the booth open on the side for anybody that felt uncomfortable with getting out of their car, they could just drive up and we would put it in their trunk still. So we kept the online market for two years, actually. Oh, so these are some of the hurdles during the COVID times for a farmer's market, specifically in St. George, folks. We're talking with Kat Pusey, who runs that market down here. And I have to tell you, while Al was down at the... Um, the Utah Farm and Food Conference, I spent two and a half hours of my life, I'm not going to get back watching a St. George City Council meeting on <laughs> YouTube that you were involved in because a certain city council person was conflating your private business with the farmer's market, was public money going from one to the other, and uh, she was objecting to a Mrs. Claus photo booth in your private business, and it turned into a whole thing. What was interesting, Al, yeah. and, and Kat, and you experienced this, but watching it was a trip. And I'll put a link in the show notes if folks want to check it out. If your item is on the agenda, public comment can't be directed at an item on the agenda until that item is called. So yeah. you had 100-plus folks down there talking around that in public comment about inclusion and um, grooming and all these things. And then you get up during the item to defend your request for a waiver to have the farmer's market again at Vernon Worthen Park. And what astounded me more than the controversy around Mrs. Claus was that your city council, they're folks that don't get the economic value of a weekly farmer's market, the economic value it drives and brings, but the opportunity for farmers to sell their goods. Yeah, it, it, I, I mean, and I did, you know, I did a follow-up post after that meeting because I, I just couldn't believe that it was happening, but I, you know, I've had this conversation for almost five years. Every year that I go in, um, I, I heard some of those comments, but like, you know, Al watched me speak and I was, and I was just so, I was on this high when we finally got Vernon Worthen, because I was like, people can see this. You can see it. I was like, it is incredible. Like we used to be this hidden gem kind of tucked away. I remember when we'd open, like I would be on the phone for an hour with people calling me being like, I can't find you. I'm not coming. And so to, we finally get this great park. We were 
I every week I'm like, what if people don't show up this week? Like I always have a panic attack Friday night and Saturday mornings have been beautiful. And it was, it, it's just so affirming. Like our opening day, we had 6,000 people there. And then every week after that, we had at least 2,000 people there. So I'm like, we are front and center. People are getting it. People are loving it. People that live around it, you know, like when, when they agreed to give us burden worthen, they, they kind of were like, nobody wants that part because it's, you know, like it, it has a bad reputation or it did because it was considered like, you know, a homeless park or, or something like that. But I just, you know, they were like, just take burden worthen. That's all you're going to get. And it, it, people that live around there have just come to the market and they have come up to the info booth and they have been like, this has been incredible watching this park just transform into just like this beautiful thing. They're like, this is incredible. People come here now. Like people love this park now. Like it's, it's just been so incredible. So to stand in that meeting, all controversy aside, because I, I just think it's so ridiculous that I haven't even been talking about it. Like I don't even bring it up because it's just so irritating and mindless and it's just, it's whatever. But like, I felt like it was just a bullet through my heart to hear them repeat that same refrain, like to have them say, like, we never thought this was going to be a permanent event. What about the grass? Why don't you get your own place? It, it was just, it looked like I, that moment was one of the hardest moments in my life to hear that in a room with just, you know, 200 people watching you because I was embarrassed. I felt totally defeated. I was like, you really don't understand what this means and what this is. And I, like, I was like, these farmers are finally, you know, one of the problems with St. George is that our farmers have reduced in numbers because there hasn't been that community support. There hasn't been a, a way for them to sell year around to justify, you know, the cost of land, the cost of watering to keep growing on that level. And finally, we have a year where you know, we get five-star Google reviews, and the only thing is, like, I wish there were more farmers. They sold out of food. Everybody sold out of food. If you look at all of our Google reviews, it's like, there's no food because they sell out in the first hour. And and then to hear that, I was just like, how can you not get it? How can you not see this? And I wouldn't be so enraged by it if there was another option. You know, if there was another farmer's market that was city run or if there was another farmer's market around here that I was competing with but I was just like we were closed for six months we were shut down during COVID and 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 I nobody made any kind of pivot to support these local artists you know like nobody made any kind of pivot to secure our local food and especially after what we saw happen with COVID and how we didn't have food and how scary that was to hear that, I was just like, did the last three years not even happen? It was just shocking. And yeah, to just see that they just don't even understand, you know, like they brought up other artists in markets. And I pointed out immediately, I was like, these other artists in markets that are happening are $350 a weekend. And I was like, that is not an economically viable option for the 18-year-old who wants to start her uh, bagel career. That is not, you know, like you want a farmer who's selling carrots for $2 a pound to spend $350 to go to a market. Like that's not economically viable. And it was just heartbreaking. I mean, I, I, in even talking about it in front of the room at the Utah Farm Conference, it was really hard for me not to tear up and just, shut down because I just felt so defeated. I was like, you are seeing hundreds. And, and the crazy part too, is there was people in the chambers that had signs that were like, my family eats because of the farmer's market. And like, I was like, these, they're making money to build their companies, to support their children, to bring their families. And, and you don't see the importance of that. It was, it's bizarre. You know, Kat, your love for local is very apparent, and um, you started Mofaco, and you are Mofaco, and I told you you were one bad blank Mofaco, and you and that yeah. is and that is the truth, my dear. Will you tell us a little bit about the artisan co-op? 
It's a mouthful co, and it stands for the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op. And um, so, you know, like back in COVID, uh, they were like, when they did let us open, they were like, this is tentative. If it escalates or if we see that there's any outbreak because of this, we will shut you back down. Uh, we didn't know if you'd have, you know, I think I remember everybody was just like, oh, October, we're all going to shut down again because that's when the disease spikes because it gets cold outside and everything. So uh, we were just operating and and it was just every week it was this, you guys might get shut down next week. Just so you know, you might get shut down next week. And I was like, you guys can't do this to businesses. They need to know that they can sell things because they're making their growing like we need to be able to pivot and i just kept hearing the sentence like the problem is you're outside no one would care if you were inside inside you could do whatever you want and so i was like fine i will rent a building and um my friend was like you're crazy and i was like i am and i'm going to rent a building and i'm gonna run farmers markets out of it i was like i just need a backup plan and she was just like so you're gonna rent a building as your backup plan and i was like yes like the day after we sat down and kind of just talked through i was just making a huge list on the whiteboard of all the things we would need we wanted it to be central we wanted it to be able to serve everybody in the community we wanted it to be able to house enough vendors that if we got shut down no one would be screwed we needed a spot where we could sort food if we needed to revert back to our online system and the next day my friend came down on main street down on st george and she was picking up a table that was listed on Facebook Marketplace. And she was like, why are you getting rid of this table? And then the owner was like, well, we're, we're moving out. We're downscaling because of COVID. And he was like, do you know anybody that wants to rent a building? And she goes, yeah, I do. So I went in and I talked to the landlord and I told him, I was like, listen, I, uh, and it was, it's just such a stroke of luck. It's such a beautiful stroke of luck that this happened and I told him I was like listen my thing is local I'm here to help locals this is what's going on this is what I'm doing and he bought this building in like the 70s and he he looked me in the eye and he was like I have gone to the city hundreds of times and asked them to zone Main Street to where it can only be local retail and he was like I absolutely love this idea it's yours like, yeah, and, and I, I mean, I've lived in, in, in St. George for 10 years, and I have never seen a spot on Main Street open, and I was just like, oh my gosh, and he gave us an incredible deal, and I was like, okay, we're gonna go, so we posted on Facebook what we were doing, and the, I mean, every day we were here, just random community members would show up and we'd be like, we saw what you were doing. We want to come help. Like, this sounds amazing. So we had community members in here spraying. They hung all the drywall in our class space and everything like that. And so now we have this beautiful artisan co-op on Main Street. And it was all because we just did it in anticipation of being shut down again for, for COVID. But we have over 60 veterans in here. It's open to all Utah-based artists. Um, our specialty, of course, is Southern Utah, but we're open to any Utah-based artists. And it's it's absolutely gorgeous, and it's beautiful, and it's a dream come true, and I, I love it. But, yeah, it, it it's here, and that's what it was for. And so we have food. We have artisan-made goods. We have one-of-a-kind items, it, and it's just incredible. It's just such a fantastic and inspiring story of of – persevering having this idea having a vision and persevering and pivoting through covid through weird community backlash because obviously how many vendors do you have now or expecting when you reopen the farmers market on february 4th so our lowest number that we had last year was 65 and then there were several weeks where we had over 100 wow so obviously yeah. a desire among farmers bakers and makers to be part of this and then they wouldn't be coming back every week if they weren't selling. So the public, the consumer is showing up as well. Yeah. But you're going to have to be back in, what, six months to see if the city council will give you waivers. And it's not uncommon. I mean, that's how a lot of uh, the, the farmer's market up here at Pioneer Park has developed. And it's a symbiotic relationship where uh, the powers that be agreed this drives economic investment. It activates a park with legitimate activities and drives out other activities we don't want there. So what is your concern in six months, Kat? 
Well, it's just, I'm a bad. We're talking the height of the summer season, right? In six months? Yeah, like right in the height of the summer. um, We are doing everything that we can to kind of financially prepare for if we do lose that sponsorship so that we can at least continue out the rest of the year's season. But it it's just interesting to me that, like, what was crazy is that they were saying things like, the event is amazing, we love the event, we just don't want you to be the one that does it. And I, or like, we just don't like that it got associated with your personal beliefs or, you know, like, it was, it was weird. And so... We've already started collecting the sales tax information. We've already started collecting, um, you know, uh, surveys of what this means to the public. But it just, and we've already worked with the parks department to address the grass. We've come up with a rotation schedule. So now we have, you know, a season, like for four months, we'll be up in the northern part. Then we'll be in the south in the summer. And then I think that we're going to go back up to the northern part in the winter months. But like I just think it's going to be the same the same thing where it, our whole goal is going to be to impress upon them the importance of the economic uh, benefits of a farmers market. Like we have, we are. I mean, there's other smaller farmers markets, but we are the only farmers market in in St. George that accepts SNAP and EBT and is part of the Double Up Food Buck program. So we last season we put. $20,000, we processed $20,000 in SNAP benefits. And with the Double Up Food Book program, that's almost $40,000 worth of food that was going into low-income houses, into elderly, into vets' homes, into people. Like, it is it is an option that is crazy that they would think of taking that away. But also, we have people from Nevada that are like, we drive up for your farmer's market. We stay here. There's the tourist benefit. Uh, people that call me, they're like, we come down for our girls trip. And it's like, we do this thing on Friday, but we always go to the farmer's market. And so we are just doing the best that we can to collect all of that data to show that this program not only supports our local food systems, not only builds local uh, enterprises, but it is driving commerce, it's driving tourism, and, and it's a critical part, I feel, of any developed city to have a farmer's market. Thank you so much, Kat. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, um, your, your story is so inspiring, like Laura said, perseverance, and you're still in there in the thick of it, and you're fighting, and you're feeding people. You're and a you're, punk rock farmer. You are the punk rockest <laughs> farmer there ever was in my book. Well, and yeah. Al, you're right. She is one bad mother mofuko. Yes, she is. <laughs> I sent a screenshot of that comment, and I was like, I need this on her shirt now. <laughs> <laughs> What's the website for the Farmer's Market, which again starts up on February 4th at Vernon Worthen Park, and then also for Mofuko for folks to check out what you're really doing to help folks and, and get out from under the thumb of the man at the city council to create this modern ar- farm and artisan co-op. So the website for the Downtown Farmers Market is www.downtownfarmerstg.com. And then uh, the website for Mofico is uh, www.mofacomobile.com. And then you can find us at Mofico, Utah on all social media and then Downtown Farmers on on all social media, too. Cat Pusey, Downtown, St. George Farmers Market and Mofico. Check the show notes tonight for links. And if you're down that way, check them out on Saturdays at the Farmers Market. Al, two things really quickly before we wrap with our, our final song from Bridge the Gap. But Circus has a live band at 8. Thurgood Jenkins is going to be live here in a bit. And then also, uh, Dave John stopped by from Ours, Our Unsheltered Relatives in the Second and Second Coalition. Movie night, 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. tonight, tomorrow, First United Methodist Church for anyone who needs to get out of the cold. Time to wrap with Bridge the Gap. Bridge the Gap, we have Sean, the bass player who is absent but here now via Zoom. Hey, Sean, Chef Sean, you're on the cooking line there. Where are you? So we're down at our restaurant in Kanab, Utah, right on the uh, east side of Ryan National Park. And uh, we had something that's pretty important to me. We had <clears throat> 12 young culinary students 
uh, that were scheduled tonight for another uh, another event to do their kind of like final project. And what we got to do here tonight is kind of show them what food can do and try and keep them in the industry, which has been pretty tough for all those in hospitality, especially restaurants. So well, you're gonna anyway, have to, supporting the community. You're going to have to crank up the uh, the Zoom feed here in a minute. We play a song from the band you're in, Bridge the Gap. In studio, we've got Ryan Thompson and Chad Jensen. We've got one more song, but where can people pick this up? Because a single dropped today, but when does the album come out? The album Ryan. drops uh, March 24th, okay. People of Punk Rock Records. So there'll be there's pre-orders if you go to our social media bridge the gap on facebook and instagram and whatnot you can see the the link to order to pre-order if you like what the tunes that you're hearing or want to support but uh yeah drops people of punk rock records march 24th and then some live gigs to come to follow in the summer maybe that's right yeah um we're kind of just kind of feeling that out as it comes our way so we're getting it scheduled and lined up now as the album's coming out. So we'll have some okay. stuff on our social media about all that. Check the show post. I got a link to their link tree with all that information. You can catch up with them. And, Sean, thanks so much for zooming in with us. And I hope to get down to that restaurant someday soon. Got to do it. But Always invited. Thank now, you. What's this next song about? Uh, this song is just kind of like uh, politici- about politicians maybe uh, using their power too much. All right. Uh, bureaucracies run wild, maybe. Very good. Bridge the Gap right here, fresh and homegrown, on KRCL 90.9 FM with Over the Target. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. KRCL, Salt Lake City.